Fantastic. Take a seat. I do want to thank your leaders. You've got outstanding leaders. You know, uh, just I've had the best time uh, being here, but I just want to commend this great couple. They're not sitting next to each other, which is a small concern. But um, there you go. See, I had an impact already. But uh, just great leaders. And I just saw Julian pouring his heart into other church leaders and, and churches in your you know, group of churches here in Europe. You, you're in a safe place when you've got a heart, when you've got a leader with a heart for others and in a heart to take this, what God's doing here, further forward. So why don't we just give a huge hand to these great couple? It's... Um, what you don't know about that clothing situation is we're actually, you know, sometimes I just need to confess uh, because sometimes people pretend it's God moving when it's really not. We were Snapchatting each other as we were dressing um, just to check that we were in the groove together. So I just felt I just needed to confess that and it wasn't a supernatural move of the spirit. It was, it was pre-arranged. Fantastic. How, I've, uh, a week and a half ago, I didn't know I was coming. And uh, I'm thrilled to be here. I just think this is the best thing. We've had a great weekend, and I'm just so excited about this morning. Um, what a great team. Let's thank the creative team, wherever they are. Just brilliant. I thought Katie just ripped it up this morning. I just thought that was fantastic. I love that song, What a Beautiful Name, What a Powerful Name. Every time we sing that, I, we sing that song back home, and every time we sing it, it just stirs something, because it's just all about Jesus. And it doesn't matter what I'm facing, what we're facing. Anyone here believing for a job? Just, yeah, Lord, today we just thank you that you're, you are our supply. And Lord, today we thank you that you're making a way where there appears to be no way. And Lord, today we thank you for new jobs for Citygate in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. That's fantastic. We, um, I, I do love reading the Bible, which is a good thing because that's what I get paid for. And um, you know, like I'm a professional prayer. If you want me to pray, I, I, that's what I do. No, But uh, I do love the Bible because all the heroes in the Bible are incredibly um, normal. Uh, just, you see them sort of warts and all. And, and it's just exciting to be able to identify with that. Because I know I, I'm a very aware of my strengths and my not-so-strengths. Do you want to say what? We're in church. We can be honest. And uh, it's okay to tell the truth in church. And sometimes we, we just think, oh, I, I love, you know, Tom was sharing this morning and he was saying, uh, how big's your vision? And we often scale our vision down to our level of ambiguity in our head. You know what I mean by that? It's like there's all sorts of stuff going on there. So we just, oh, just dial that back a bit. And, uh, but the, you know, think of the heroes of the Bible. We've got the apostle Peter. Um, he walked on water. That's pretty fantastic. But he also denied Christ three times. Um, he suggested that Jesus perhaps wouldn't want to die and, and, and got in trouble for that. He, he, uh, he had some spectacular highs and some pretty low lows, and yet you know, on, he, he was the leader that first took the gospel out of the Jewish world and into the Gentile world, and he was a, a real pillar of, of the church. He was, a, he was a great hero. I mean, the other disciples, of course, while, Jesus, while Peter was denying Jesus, the other 10 were hiding under their beds and John was there. He said nothing. So Peter's not all that bad. Um, and, and then I think of Gideon. Gideon's a great hero. Uh, when, when God finds him, it's, uh, it's very Australian to be sarcastic. Uh, I think you Brits have got a little bit in common with that. And uh, Gideon, we find Gideon in a hole threshing wheat. That doesn't work. A wine press is a big bucket. 
He's in the big bucket threshing wheat. So he would have been covered in, he would have been coughing and wheezing. And, and the angel comes and sits on the edge and says, God's with you, you mighty man of valor. You've got to know that sarcasm. That was the Aussie, that was the Aussie angel right there. Yeah, good on you, sunshine. And, uh, and, but then God delivered, used him to deliver his people. Oh, you've got King David. What a tremendous hero he was. Uh, he was overlooked by his dad when they did the pick a king competition. Um, he was just left out there with the sheep. And then once he was picked, of course, he killed the giant. That was pretty spectacular. But then he also cheated on his wife. And to cover that up, he killed her husband. Um, I mean, there's no really nice way to put that. That's not spectacular. That's not brilliant. Um, and I think, wow, it's, maybe, I, maybe I've got a show in this game. Uh, maybe. You know, here's the thing. When God picks us, he just picks average people because that's all he's got. He just, he just picks us and, uh, and then he gets the glory because no one, no one could, uh, you know, no one can say, oh, it's, it was all me. It was all, you know, I, we've seen God do some amazing stuff at Life Church, and, and, you know, I, we've gone through some tough times. People thought I was a bit of a twit and then uh, we went through some great times. People think I'm a bit of a hero. The fact is I'm not as much of a twit as they thought and I'm not, it's just God. <laughs> and, you know, I love the Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul, he planted most of the churches that we're aware of. And, um, and yet, he's spent two whole books of the New Testament defending himself against criticism for being unimpressive and being small and being not a great preacher. And, and all of these things, he's defending himself. You know, and we think, because we see at the end from the beginning, like we, we know the end of the story. Uh, we think that he was being ironic. Look at this, this is the Apostle Paul. This will encourage you. For I was determined to know, not know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. That's good. That's good. But then look at this. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. And so we think that he's been ironic there, like being a bit Australian. But I actually think he was there shaking in his boots, that he wasn't a great preacher, and it was all entirely reliant on God doing something with something that was really natural. And that, that really encourages me. I, I, whenever I see a leader that's sort of struggling, I think that's awesome because I might be able to have a go. You know, I, I just, I, I want to talk today a little bit about Moses. Now, Moses is a hero in the Bible. He's awesome. Moses is synonymous with the Old Testament. He's synonymous with the law. The, the name of Moses is synonymous with the formation of the, the Hebrew-Israelite nation. Yeah, that everything that they saw, you know, whenever there's, you read the Psalms, whenever they want to talk about how, how good God is, they talk about the, the transformation that Moses led. You know, your God who led you across the Red Sea and, and all the plagues and, and gave you the law. And, and so it, Moses is like the, the, the anchor point for the nation. You've got Abraham and you've got Moses. But Moses um, actually is a picture of incredibly wasted potential. When we find Moses, um, he, he'd been raised in Pharaoh's court. So he'd been raised with the princes, raised really to be a Pharaoh. Now, he was never going to be a Pharaoh, but that would have been the education that he had. He, he had a luxurious lifestyle. He had a leadership example all around him. The expectation of influence was extraordinary on his life. We have a, a guy in Australia called, well, we used to, he's gone to wherever he's gone, but Kerry Packer was one of the leading businessman, and his son, James Packer, came up with a huge expectation that he'll take over this multi-billion dollar empire, 
And, and James is now sort of imploding a little bit personally and because he would be feeling like he was raised to be this financial king. Uh, and, and I think that's where Moses was. When we find Moses, um, it, we find this, this aspiring political leader as a convicted murderer on the run, having kept sheep for 40 years. Now, I think I'm old. I'm 46. So if this had happened to me, 56. If this had happened to me, I would have been 16 years old. Yeah, look, it's just time happens. <laughs> I wish I was 46. Actually, someone apparently is suing somewhere. They want to get their thing changed. They identify. Uh, anyway, how silly is that? Um, what you want to do, actually, this is a word for the ladies here. Never, ever underestimate your age, anybody. Because if you say, oh, look, I'm only 46, and they go, oh, wow, what happened to you? Uh, <laughs> You don't want that. What you do is you say, I'm 56. They go, wow, you're looking after yourself. Yes, I am. That's what you want, okay? So never underestimate your age. If anything, overestimate your age. If you had a tough day, you say, oh, I'm 70. Oh. <laughs> you can just write that down. That was a prophetic word. That was just the word of the Lord for somebody here today. But uh, we find Moses rejected by his people. See, what happened is he, he, got, uh, he went out one day and he saw a an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew, and he was he would he knew he was a Hebrew, and so he uh, he topped this fellow. He just took him out, and um, and then the next day he went out to sort of settle an argument between two Hebrews. So he had this sense that he was meant to be in charge, and uh, one of the boys said, "What? Who made you king over us? You're going to kill one of us like you did that Egyptian yesterday." So he took off because he knew he'd been discovered. So he'd been rejected by his people. He was really just a basket case. Forty years he'd been looking after. He was meant to be the king. And, and he's looking after sheep. And no, he's not like obscure. He's invisible. It's not like he's hard to find. He's just gone. And it's interesting that, uh, you know, his, when he first got there, he wasn't that bad. You remember he first got there, he chased the, the shepherds away from the well and protected those girls. That's how he's got himself a wife. So he was still behaving a bit like a king then. But when we find him, he's just having arguments with burning bushes. And... Uh, but Moses did have some qualifications. He had a passion for his people. Moses had lost hope that he could change the world, but he hadn't lost hope that the world would change. He'd lost hope that he could do it. He'd disqualified himself from the vision, but he hadn't abandoned the dream. Moses was still on the run for, for murder. He'd, he'd run away and hidden, but he still had that passage, that passion for his people. We don't always give up on the dream. We just give up on us in the dream. You know, often when, if, when we give up on a marriage, we don't give up on marriage. We just go and try and find another one. And often we find that the problem with the last one is very similar to the problems with this one. Uh, it's people. Uh, uh, we, we often give up. We think, God, I want you to move in this nation. I just don't think you can use me. Oh, Lord, I just want you to build this church. I'm not sure if you could use me. Oh, Lord, I just... Well, is it possible that Moses' failure actually qualified him for God's call? Is it possible that God came looking to him, looking for him because of his inadequacy, not in spite of his inadequacy? Uh, see, it's our heart, not our ability that qualifies us. Jesus designed you for your mission. You know, often we think that God's called us one way. He, he, he's made us one way, but he wants to use us another. Um, he, he knows you're really average. He was there at the beginning, and he's watched the whole show. You know, it, it amazes me. We come into God's presence, and we sort of put on our best face, 
Like, have you ever contrasted how you talk when you're praying to how we talk when we're talking? Have you ever noticed that? Because we think we're going to fool God. But you know what? God's still there when you stop praying. We sort of stop praying and he's still listening. So, <laughs> see, God, God knows us. He knows you. And today you're looking, you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, but you don't know how average I am. I can got a pretty good clue how average you are because I know how average I am. You know, I, one thing I love, people are just people. You know, look at this, the Apostle Paul. This is, he says, three times I begged the Lord to take it away, whatever the it was. And each time he said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is all you need. Maybe it was his wife called Grace. I don't know. And he says, my power works best in weakness. I beg your pardon. So I, now I, glo- I boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. So he's boasting about it. He's take pleasure in, and in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in troubles that I suffer for Christ for when I'm weak, I'm strong. So Moses had a passion for his people. And I think that passion is what qualified him. And, and can I just encourage us to stir up our passion for God's house? Let's stir up our passion for this city. London's a great city. It's a, it, it's a focal point of the world. We need Jesus in London. We need to take this city for Jesus. Like, and we don't do it by storming the streets. We do it by just gossiping how good Jesus is and living happy. People don't want a burden. Don't go to work, I've got a burden for the city. No one wants that. They want a, they want a happy person. So when you turn up, they should be saying, oh, there's a good Joyce has turned up. That's brilliant. Moses allowed God to redefine him. That was a good thing. You know, he, he had a, he'd got a, a definition of himself. For 40 years, every day, looking after the same smelly sheep in the same hot, stinking desert. But then he allowed God to redefine him. You know, he didn't lose his sense of kingship, like I said before, immediately. He, when he first arrived out there in Midian, he behaved a little bit like a ruler and a king, and he chased off all those shepherds and, uh, and got himself a wife in the process. But over the time, he just sort of settled back. But he allowed to God to change it. Look at this. This is how we find. This is Moses' personal convictions when we meet him. Now, you know the story. Um, uh, Moses is out there looking after the sheep and a bush catches fire, which apparently is not that unusual. And then the bush talks to him and then he talks back. Now, that's a concern. Uh, <laughs> what's amazing to me, read it. It's hilarious. I love it because he's, he's already well into the conversation with the bush when he works out the bush is God talking. Uh, and then he gets all really afraid. I'm thinking, who did he think he was talking to? <laughs> so no, he's having a chat with the bush and then he works out that God's talking to him from the bush. And, and then he says, and God says, look, I, I've seen the affliction of my people and I'm coming down to rescue them. And, and Moses, because he's passionate about the vision, would have thought, oh, that's awesome. Fantastic. At last, I had to go and fail, but you're going to fix it, God. That's brilliant. And then the next thing is, so I'm sending you. All of a sudden, it went from really good news to really bad news. And so look at what Moses then gets in an argument with God. And uh, it's never going to end well, but he starts off, he says, I'm insignificant. I don't know if you feel like you're insignificant, but he says, I'm insignificant. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? So God counters that one with, I'll be with you. So Moses is not put off, he's persistent. He says, yeah, but I'm not authentic. I don't know enough. If I go to the people that, and they, I say, God sent me, they're going to ask what your name is. What am I going to say? I don't even know who you are. And uh, he says, just tell them that I am has sent you, which was a new revelation 
of the power of God. You know, I am, I like that. It's not I was and it's not I will be, but it's I am. And, uh, you know, oftentimes it's easy to believe, see God's faithfulness in the past and believe for it in the future, but let's believe for it now. You know, we've prayed for some jobs before. I am. Um, anyone believes that, you know, in, without faith it's impossible to please God. You know, Tom talked about that this morning. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he is. Well, he is is the same as I am. It's just the third person. He's not he was. It's not he will be. He is. And he says, I'm not, I'm not credible. They won't believe me. And he says, just show them the snake trick. That works well for Australians. Do you, do you remember Steve Irwin? Okay, he, you know, the crikey. And uh, we like snake trips in our, in our country. But um, apparently you guys are all very scared of our animals and our sharks and our snakes and stuff. Do you know more of you punters kill yourself falling down the steps in your little houses that have got really narrow, steep steps than we do diving by sharks. So, and you know what? You've got steps in every house just about. So don't worry about our sharks. Um, <laughs> the way to halve the risk of shark attack is just to swim with a friend. That's it. You've halved it right there. And uh, don't worry about being swimming faster than the shark. Just swim faster than your friend. Yeah. So you're getting it here. It's, this, is, this is the word of the Lord. I'm not able. I'm not good with words. And then God says, look, I made, who made man's mouth? You know what? We, we come to God with all our inadequacy. And God says, no, look, it all comes down to me. God's not saying me. He's got, it's all about God, okay? Just to clarify what I'm talking about there. He says, God, I'll be with you. Uh, I, I am that I am. I made man's mouth. I'm sending you. I know your problems, but I'm still picking you. And God's saying to you today, I know your problems. I know the failures. I know the things in your life that are just catastrophic, that just haven't worked. Catastrophic was the word we were looking for there. But I know the things that just have fallen apart. I know where you've failed. I know the compromise. I know the things that you battle with. I know the victories you haven't had yet. And I'm still picking you. I reckon that's brilliant. Let's give God some glory for that. See, the thing is, we need to allow God to redefine us. And then we need to talk to ourselves in line with that redefinition. You know, when you're shaving in the mirror or you're doing your hair, um, I, I said to the, the pastors this week, oh, no, I said to church, you know, look at my head and Julian's. You know why we're so spiritual? We don't have to spend all that time doing hair so we can spend it with the Lord. That's why. I mean, I, being a woman is a lot of maintenance. I look at that. I thank God I'm not one of those. It's, it's a lot of maintenance, a lot of work. When you've got no hair and, and you don't have to put anything on the face, because what's going to help anything anyway? Your streets ahead. I get up in the morning, you know, that bedhead thing, I don't even know what that is. I, I'm, I'm at Dreamworld and there's this giant drop where you sort of you sit up there and then it, it's just stupidity, right? But everybody else's face, their hair's going everywhere. I just look cool. <laughs> Nothing moves. But... Um, and also, but Moses, he didn't just allow God to redefine him. He got going while he was still under construction. Don't wait for God to fix you before you go. Uh, he just builds the plane while it's in the air. And uh, Moses was still full of doubt, and he got going to Pharaoh. And I don't think Moses was ever totally confident, uh, but he just got going anyway. You know, uh, Moses' career was not without ambiguity and sort of some mistakes 
You know, we, we think of Moses, the hero, gave us the law, all of that sort of stuff. But what happened is early in the journey, the people were always whinging because they had no water, which is not a surprise because they're walking through the desert and there's like three million of them. And it doesn't take you too long to get thirsty. So I'm actually, I'm a bit with the people here. And, uh, and so they're, they're whinged to, about having no water. One stage God said, hit the rock. Then they whinged a bit later and God said, speak to the rock. But Moses was ticked off with the people. And I get that because they're all whinging at him. So he hit the rock because he was just ticked off. And God says, because you, tick, you, hit, you got ticked off and you hit the rock, you'll never get into the promised land. You think, whoa, do you know how grievous these people are? But you know what? I, I, just, I like that because I think it's a bit of a picture. I don't know if this is – I've not read this anywhere. It just occurred to me while I was reading. But Moses is synonymous with the law. Joshua, he's a type of Jesus. It was Joshua who led them into the promise, not Moses, because the law will never lead us into our promise. Moses couldn't lead them in because he failed according to the law. See, the law says if you fail, you don't win. And sometimes we still carry that forward, but you've got to understand Jesus changed everything. The cross changed everything. You can get that tattooed on your arm or something. The cross changed everything. The cross changed everything. Everything. And so even Moses' failure points us to what Jesus did for us. See, the law, you know, look, look at this is the Apostle Paul. Um, you know, he says here, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. I'm a really bad golfer. Um, I don't play a lot of golf because I played enough to work out there was not a great trend of improvement. And perhaps I could invest my time somewhere else. But if you come and stand behind me and tell me everything I'm doing wrong, it's not going to help me. Make the fairways narrow, it won't help me. I know I'm meant to get on that mode bit in the middle, and I know I'm meant to get as far down there as possible. I'm just having trouble doing that. So when you sort of go up to someone and say, you know, that wasn't very good, they know that. We don't need to tell people that they're busted because we all know we're busted. What we need to tell, Jesus, tell them is that Jesus' power. And you think is the good thing about you say golf analogy, we've got Adam Scott, as a good Australian golfer. If I was to play golf with Adam, it's still not going to help. What I need is Adam to play golf for me. So maybe I could play with him and we could swap scorecards. How cool would that be? That's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. He got to the end of the game. Yeah, it goes. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. That's fantastic. So, you know, Moses, he failed, but that really paved the way for grace because we found out if Moses had been able to do it perfect and get all the promise, we'd think, well, we just have to be it perfect and get the promise. But Jesus is here to say, I've done it for you. I love that verse in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. See, God's not there saying you've got to get gooder and better. I mean, the thing is, we have free access. Therefore, we have a, good, you know, a great high priest. Let us come boldly. This is Roman, uh, Hebrews 4. Let us boldly approach the throne of grace. I love it. There's a throne of grace. That's Jesus. It used to be a throne of judgment, but because of Jesus, now it's a throne of grace. And what do I get when I get to the throne of grace? I get mercy and I get grace. Mercy is God's un deserved forgiveness and grace is his undeserved power to change god does want to change your life but it's a result of him being with you not the prerequisite 
of him being with you, which is good news for all of us because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, we can, which is so exciting to know that we can have a personal encounter and relationship with Jesus. You know, I, I, I look at this hero Moses and I think I can see myself there because, you know, there have been so times I've just disqualified myself from the vision and, and I look you know at what God's doing God's doing some fantastic stuff back in life church I heard this morning we had seven people say yes to Jesus we had a yeah we had a, a, a community car wash yesterday so we just sort of set up and washed people's cars for nothing and we gave them a sausage and a coffee and a uh, you know sausage sizzles are very Australian and we gave them a sausage a coffee and we washed their car for nothing no hook, and we had a family turn up from that at church today. That's pretty cool. I'm loving that. And uh, people are just shocked that you'll do something for nothing. And they say, what are you raising money for? We're not raising money. We actually don't need the $200 that we might make by washing cars. Uh, we'll just buy the suds ourselves and just bless the place. But I, I love it that I, I look at these heroes and I think, oh, I can find myself there. And today, if you're, you're sitting here with a dream, and perhaps the dream's been shattered, in a group this size, many of us would try, have tried many things and it didn't work out how we hoped. You know what? God's still in that. He just takes all of that. I, I love that verse that says God makes all things work together for good. I've been through some patches that were pretty interesting. And then I look back and God's taken that. He's redeemed that. He's, he's healed me and strengthened me. Don't, Moses went through some things that just made no sense. But God actually picked him because he was the man who couldn't take it no more. He was the one who had passion for that. And, and then... He just came and strengthened that. I just think this is just a great, the promise of God for us today. And I think there's some people here this morning. You're thinking, you know what? I've sort of given up on the dream. But Jesus is here to say, let's wake that dream up. Let's believe again. Let's go again. Let's just say, yeah, God, I'm going to go again. I'm not going to live in disappointment. I'm going to go again. I'm going to run again. I'm going to believe again. And, and the key to that is a personal encounter and a relationship with Jesus. You know, Jesus has called us to relationship, not performance. He hasn't called us to do for him. He's called us to be with him. Even sometimes when we pray, we feel like we've got to lay hold of God for something. Why don't we just hang out with God? I don't want a friend that's always after me for something. I just want a friend who wants to be a friend. You get that? So I, I, you go into God's presence and you dump all your stuff and then you think, oh, I've got nothing left. Yeah, because it's not about that. It's just about hanging with Jesus. I like to go away every now and again and, and people say, did God speak to you? No, not really. We just hung out. And, uh, and you know what? You find, though, that God drops things in your spirit often later time or whatever, but that's irrelevant. That's actually not the point. I'm not there to get something from him. I'm just there to hang out because I like him. And, uh, and you know what? He likes me. That's, that's the bizarre thing. When we turn up, God goes, oh, thank God Joyce is here. Thank God Julian's here. Uh, actually, he's God, so he wouldn't be thanking God, would he? <laughs> thank me. Julian's arrived. And, uh, but seriously, God's happy to see you. When you wake up in the morning, you say, good morning, Spirit of God. Spirit of God's going, good morning, Trevor. Any Trevor's here? There's not many Trevor's left, actually. It's my name of choice for babies because no one ever names their baby baby, uh, ba Trevor. And uh, you just can't call it it. Anyway, today, what I want to do is, is just uh, give you an opportunity to connect with Jesus and let him redefine who you are. See, when we come to Jesus, it, it, it cha he changes the game. See, up until then, it's about 
success and failure, acceptance or rejection. And then Jesus come along and said, no, I'm going to accept you even though you failed because I'm going to swap scorecards with you. It's literally a golf game. He's just swapping scorecards with us. And so we, we get the, the, the failing. You know, don't, we've never made the cut ever. I, I will look at that golf game that they do on television. You know, it's very stressful. It can't be fun, but I, we, we didn't make the cut. But Jesus said, that's all right. I'll make the cut for you. I love it that Jesus, he likes us. God so loved the world. God so loved Jeff. Put your own name in there. God so loved the world that he gave you. This is how much God loved you. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Anyone who tells you you need to get good to get to God, that doesn't make any sense when you look at the cross. The only reason the cross happened is because we're not good enough. And we, we, uh, if we're just relying on who we are, we disqualify ourselves from the dream. But when we connect to Jesus, we qualify ourselves because Jesus in us is bigger than anything. You know, I love it when David's up in front of the giant and the giant says, you're a scrawny little kid and you've got a stick. And, uh, and, and David goes, well, I haven't actually even got a stick, but um, I've come, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts whose armies you've defied. It's, it was God and David that was bigger than Goliath. It wasn't David. And some of us are facing a Goliath situation. If you're not now, one's coming or one's been. That's life. But God's bigger than that. And I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to say yes to Jesus. It's a simple thing. It's like a relationship starts with a conversation. I've met so many people this week. I had so much trouble trying to remember all the names and then remember the right story with the right name. And uh, I blew it a few times, but what are they going to do? I'm leaving. So, um, But today... Jesus wants to start a relationship with you, and it starts with a conversation. See, God hasn't called us to an event. He's called us to a relationship. But I, I remember the first conversation. I still remember the first conversation I had with my wife. I've been married to her. She's my first wife, and we've been married for 33 years. And, uh, and, and there's, yeah, thank you, Jesus. You should be thanking her. But, uh, she's, she's the one. We've, we've, been, we've done this journey together, and you know what? We're just normal people. Anyone here married? Yeah, I know you've got problems with your marriage because you're married. And uh, <laughs> Hey, I don't even need a relationship to have problems. I go away by myself and I've got problems. So you put another person in there. <laughs> anyway, Jesus likes you. Get back to this thing. Stop distracting me. But uh, Jesus likes you. Even with all of that stuff, he thinks, and I think sometimes especially with all that stuff. If you haven't got a personal relationship with Jesus, it starts with a conversation. He's done everything. He's done all the heavy lifting and all the everything. When Jesus said it is finished, what he meant by that is it's finished. He didn't say my bit's gone, done. He said it's finished. And all we have to do now is say yes to Jesus. If, you've, if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never personally said, Jesus, I want to walk with you in relationship. Jesus, I want you to forgive me for all the mistakes I've made. Jesus, I, I, want, to, I, I want you in my world. In fact, Jesus, I want you to take over my world. If you've never said that personally, you can be in church for a long time. Like you go to McDonald's, it doesn't make you Ronald. And uh, that was funny. Um, and, and so today, if you don't personally know who Jesus is, like have a connection with him, like he's your friend, then I just encourage you, why don't you start the conversation? Or perhaps you have had a conversation going, but things got a bit busy and lots of things have just crowded you out and you've allowed something else to redefine you and you've sort of moved away from Jesus' definition of your life, then I want to encourage you to start the conversation again this morning. 
let's do that now. Or perhaps you're not quite sure where you stand. You know, if, if Jesus, if you were to sort of walk in, I nearly walked into Bill Oddie, which is very big deal for me what, as a goodies boy. And the rest of you young people have no clue what I'm talking about. But uh, so maybe you walk around the corner, that's Jesus. What would he say to you? If you're not quite sure what he'd say to you, then you need to reconnect with Jesus this morning. Reconnect. And so, so what I'd like you to do is just close your eyes. The reason we do that is it makes it feel like there's no one else in the room. Of course there are, but they're just all vanished now. This is just a moment between you and God. And this morning, if you're saying, Jesus, I want to connect with you. I want to start that conversation. I want to restart that conversation. I just want you to give me a wave and say, Jeff, pray for me. I'm going to pray for God to do a miracle in your circumstance this morning. Just give me a wave. Put your hand up nice and high. See your hand there. That's fantastic. Who else this morning saying, yeah, that's me. Pray for me, Jeff. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to connect with him and his promise. I, I, want to walk, I want Jesus to redefine me. Lord, I want to get back up and get back in, in the dream. Put your hand up nice and high and say, that's me. I want to say yes to Jesus. Just quickly, because we're going to move on, but I don't want to rush this, but I don't want to prolong it and drag it out either. So put your hand up nice and high. Give me a wave so I know who I'm praying for this morning. Fantastic. Let's pray a prayer together, church. This is a simple prayer. We're all going to pray. This is a great prayer to pray every day of your life. And uh, so I'm going to say a phrase. You can view repeat it after me. It makes it more cohesive and we're all in the same groove. Dear Lord Jesus, this is my decision to give my life to you. Thank you for accepting me just as I am. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. I choose to live my life in relationship with you. Amen. Fantastic. I'm pretty sure that I'll have a present to give you, and stuff for free is really good. So um, the, the troops here will, would love to give you something. But before I go, I just want to pray. Um, I just sensed as we will just finish there. If today you feel like, you want to rekindle the dream. You've had a dream, you've let it go. And it could be a, a dream for your marriage, for your relationships, a dream for a career, a dream for, I don't know, a cool Jaguar. <laughs> Not so much a cool Jaguar. But uh, if you've just, the dream's been there and you've just let go of the dream. And today you're saying, I'm going to step back up again. I'm going to allow God to redefine me for my dream. Just stick your hand up this morning and say that's me Lord you see our hands up we thank you Lord that you're the qualifier you qualify us for what you've called us for and Lord you see these hands of people faithful faithful people who just want to allow you to redefine them and prepare them present them, just get them ready for their dream and I thank you Lord Jesus that you are the power of our dream and Lord I pray for every situation here every person here Lord, I pray for your power that just awakens dreams and causes us to, to lift our eyes and believe for more in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic.